Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.wordpress.com. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? You're listening to Luke's English Podcast, as you already know, because, in fact, the introductory jingle to every episode of Luke's English Podcast is me saying, hello, you're listening to Luke's English Podcast. So I don't really need to say that you're listening to Luke's English Podcast. Well, I think for two main reasons. One is that, um, it, as I just mentioned, it says so at the beginning in the jingle. And secondly, you just know what's going on, I expect. You probably just are aware of what you're doing. So that you don't need me to tell you what you're doing, do you? I don't know, maybe you do. Maybe you just got no idea, you're just wandering around your apartment in some kind of drunken state, just sort of grabbing hold of devices, and then suddenly you hear a noise. Oh God, what's going on? And you require me to go, it's okay, you're listening to Luke's English podcast, and then you kind of can sort of get a grip, get a get a grip on things, Okay. Or maybe you're just um, not in that condition. Maybe you're fine and you just thought, oh, a new episode of the podcast, I think I might listen to it. And so, well, just to clarify, just to make sure that, yes, that is exactly what's happening. You are listening to Luke's English Podcast. Um, This is, I believe, episode 146. Hello. No, it's not episode 146. It's actually episode... 147. Okay, right. Back to the podcast. Thank you. And uh, I'm nearly at the 150 mark. Nearly there. It's amazing, really. I've been doing this for, well, about, uh, probably about two minutes now. (laughs) Ha ha. That was a joke, wasn't it? Because you expected me to say that I'd been doing it for four or five years. And then I said two minutes because... (laughs) Okay, right. Now, in this episode, um, I'm going to be explaining some of the language that you might have heard in the previous two episodes. So you'll know that the previous two episodes were called Nightmare Teaching Experiences Part 1 and Nightmare Teaching Experiences Part 2. And in those episodes, as you will know, because I'm sure that you've already listened to them, I explain to you some of the difficult uh, scenarios and experiences that I've had in the TEFL classroom. And as you know, because I said it to you before in previous episodes, that I used a number of idioms and sort of natural expressions in those episodes. And I told you to watch out for them. You probably managed to notice a few. Some of them you might know, some of them you might not know. Well, in this episode, I'm just going to go through a list of some of those idioms and I'm going to explain them and give you some more examples and clarify, basically. Uh, And in the end, hopefully, you'll just have a more enriched vocabulary. Um, So I kind of went through those two episodes again and made a note of any kind of natural or idiomatic expressions which I found and I've come up with a list of 51 things. 51. Now there is other vocab in the episode, other just generally good vocabulary or kind of Um, kind of lots of collocations, lots of different expressions. I haven't written down everything. I've tried to focus on the more idiomatic things, the things which might be harder for you to understand or the expressions which might be new to you. Um, So let's get started, shall we? Yeah, shall we? Do you think so? Okay, then. Right, so let's begin with the first one. And the way I'm going to do this, I'm just going to read the example from the previous two episodes, and then I'm going to explain it. That's it. It's not rocket science. Okay, so number one, the first one was, I get to meet people from all walks of life. Okay, from all walks of life. So from all walks of life, this just means from lots of different kinds of life or different lifestyles. So people from all kinds of different situations, different lifestyles, different uh, 
countries, different jobs from all walks of life, so all different types of people. Okay, I get to meet people from all walks of life. Number two, sometimes I could just make things up on the spur of the moment and then make them happen there and then. So to do something on the spur of the moment, on the spur of the moment, um, a spur, I suppose, is like a little spike that a cowboy wears on the back of his shoe. Okay, a spur. So it's like a little spike, basically. Um, so on the spur of the moment just means um, like then and there, like right then in that moment, not planned in advance, but just done impulsively then, right? For example, I came up with the idea on the spur of the moment. So I just came up with the idea right then and there. Or on the spur of the moment, I just asked if she wanted to go for a drink with me, okay? And she, of course, she said yes. And so we went for a drink. And uh, and then just suddenly on the spur of the moment, I, I decided I'm going to kiss her. And I tried to kiss her. And she, at that moment, like the moment that I tried to kiss her, she sort of moved her head forwards to to have a drink. And I ended up just headbutting her. And um, she never wanted to see me again. It was a disaster. It's not really true, that story. I'm just making it up. I'm just, I've just made that up on the spur of the moment. <laughs> yeah? See what I did? Yeah. Okay. Right. Number three was sometimes I feel like just giving up, dropping out, and becoming a TEFL teacher. Well, I expect you know what to give up means, just means to quit. But to drop out, uh, dropping out means to kind of to give up your normal steady life and to start living a kind of an alternative existence. It's often associated with sort of quitting your high paying job and like becoming a hippie or leaving normal straight society, quitting the rat race in order to live a more enlightened lifestyle. That's dropping out. It's associated with the phrase, turn on, tune in and drop out, which was made famous by Timothy Leary um, in the 1960s, who encouraged people to lead a counterculture revolution by taking LSD, the acid drug, and then just rejecting the dominant culture. Right, So he said, turn on, tune in and drop out, meaning just leave normal life and sort of become like a hippie or something. Now, I personally find it a bit annoying when people consider becoming a TEFL teacher to be just a way to drop out, to drop out of normal life, as if TEFL is not really a proper job, but something that you can do to escape the normal demands of a career. People who go into TEFL as a way of dropping out I find, are usually quite shocked to discover that it's still a proper job that requires diligence and hard work. So becoming a TEFL teacher is no way of just dropping out, all right? Um, okay, so the number number four in this list of 51, don't get bored at all during this, this episode. I'm going to have to try and find ways to kind of keep you focused, all right? I'm I'm considering playing some background music on this, but I haven't decided if I'm going to do that or not. Because it seems that some of you like that background music and some of you kind of don't. You prefer just to focus on the voice. So who knows, I might put some background music in. I might not. Haven't decided yet. Anyway, moving forwards, number four, um, I said, if you consider it to be something to do while you travel or something to do while you focus on writing your first novel, then fine. But it can just be a means to an end. So a means to an end is like something you do with the sole purpose of just... Um, the, it's something you do with the sole purpose... I can't speak my own language. So... A means to an end is something that you do with the sole purpose of achieving something else, all right? So it might be that going into TEFL can be a way for people to just get a bit of extra time in order to focus on doing something else, like writing their first novel. So you could say, for example, working at McDonald's is just a means to an end. Working at McDonald's is just a means to an end. You're not doing it because 
working at McDonald's is a good thing. You're doing it just to just make a little bit of money um, so that you can then go on and do something else. So it's just a means to an end. I'm only doing this so I can then just do something else. All right. In some cases, working in TEFL can be a means to an end. A means means a way of doing something, and an end is like an end result. So it's like a way of just doing an end result or a way of doing something else. It's just a means to an end. Right. Number five, I said, does that sound like your cup of tea? I think I was mentioning the idea of me writing my own book. Uh, and I said, does that sound like your cup of tea? Well, I think we all know this one, right? We all know this idiom. Your your cup of tea just means something that you like or something that is your preference. For example, horror films are not really my cup of tea, all right? So along with it's a piece of cake, which means it's very easy, I think this one is probably one of the most well-known idioms out there because it's kind of cute and it's easy to understand and we associate with British people who, of course, just do nothing but drink tea all the time, especially in the afternoon. Um, that's kind of a stereotype, which is not completely true, but is kind of true at the same time. I think I might talk about stereotypes of the British in an episode soon. So you can look forward to that. It's going to be amazing, isn't it? Yes, it is. So... Um, does that sound like your cup of tea? In fact, um, judging by some of the comments on the podcast, that does sound like your cup of tea. And a lot of people seem to be quite enthusiastic about the idea of reading a book that I've written. Um, and I'll have to explore that idea further in the future. I don't want that to just become another thing I mention, which I never do. I'm quite serious about doing that. So I've got to pull my finger out and, and pull my socks up and actually do it. So I, I used a few more idioms there, didn't I? Pull your finger out is like kind of, um, let's say, um, actually, like, actually activate yourself. Like, um, actually start doing something properly. Like, stop just wasting time, but actually get down to doing it. And pull your socks up is like to change your attitude so that you have a much better attitude. If you pull your socks up, it means you improve your attitude, right? So it's the sort of thing that teachers would say to a child who's not working hard enough. It's like, Jimmy, you need to pull your finger out and do some work or just pull your socks up. Okay, I've just added a couple of idioms because I'm generous like that. I'm nice like that, okay? Um, right. Number six, I said, often the best students are the ones who throw themselves and their personalities into the learning process. So if you throw yourself into something, it means that you get fully involved in it with full enthusiasm and energy. The opposite of that would probably be something like to do something half-heartedly. For example, after she split up from her boyfriend, she just threw herself into her job. Okay. By the way, you can read all of this on the website, as usual. As you know, I first post it on podomatic.com, teacherluke.podomatic.com, and then after a while I transfer it to teacherluke.wordpress.com. So you can read all of this stuff that I'm saying to you, all of these idioms and their definitions and examples. You can read it all on the website. That's nice, isn't it? Yes, it is, Luke. Yes. Um, just one word, donation. Okay, yeah, I'll move on. Number seven, there's always someone who will throw a spanner in the works. Okay, so this is another idiom with the word throw. So we've had throw yourself into it, but now we've got throw a spanner in the works. And this means to kind of seriously disrupt something or cause a big problem that makes everything much more complicated and ultimately prevents the thing from being a success. For example, we were hoping to get the project started in June, but the funding with but the funding was withdrawn, so that rather threw a spanner in the works. In this case, the lack of funding caused lots of problems for the project and ultimately stopped it happening. In my example, I say how sometimes students can throw a spanner in the works by behaving badly in class. Um, a spanner is a kind of tool that you use to tighten or open a nut or bolt. You know, if you need to fix a leak in a pipe in your kitchen, like under the sink, you might use a spanner. It's a heavy metal tool. 
It's usually just one piece of metal with a kind of mouth at the end, which fits around a nut, and then you can tighten it. And they come in different sizes. You might have like a little case with lots of different spanners of different sizes. A spanner in some countries um, is called an English key for some reason. don't know why you call it an English key, but some people do. Uh, we call it a spanner. Uh, the works, so to throw a spanner in the works, the works here refers to the complex inner workings of a machine, you know, like all the mechanisms inside some old industrial machine, like the cogs, the gears, pistons and everything. So if you can imagine dropping a spanner into a machine like that, of course it would cause the whole thing to just break and stop or just grind to a halt. All right. So moving on, number eight, I said, so back to those one in 30 people who can just torpedo your class. I use the expression to torpedo something a couple of times. Um, a torpedo, as you might already know, is a kind of missile that goes underwater, fired by a submarine. Okay. So if you torpedo a boat, it means you destroy it. But the attack happens in a way that's kind of hard to notice. So to torpedo a lesson means to kind of destroy a lesson from under the surface. Again, if a student causes problems in class, it could torpedo your lesson. Okay. Number nine, um, I said teachers often feel that they're on the front line. Okay. So this is another bit of war imagery, in fact. So on the front line is used to refer to the position of some soldiers who are right at the front of a battle, facing the enemy and in the direct firing line. So if you're on the front line, it means you're in a kind of an exposed position because you're right at the front, make, uh, facing a difficult situation. So, like, teachers might be on the front line because they're right there, kind of um, in front of the students, delivering the, the end product of the school. Compare it to the members of the admin or marketing staff who don't really face clients directly and, are there, and therefore are sort of slightly more protected in their jobs. Teachers are right there, right at the front line. Okay. Number 10, I said, it can feel like you're either fighting some kind of pointless battle or that the gods are acting against you somehow. All right. So I guess these aren't really idioms as such. But nevertheless, they're quite nice expressions. So if you're fighting a pointless battle, it means you're fighting hard for something that's just kind of a waste of time, right? And if the gods are against you, it means that everything seems to be going badly, as if the gods have decided to, to make life difficult for you, okay? Uh, number 11, I said, they can take a lesson to new heights. So to take something to new heights means to make something excellent and make it better than it was before. Uh, height is the noun form of the, the adjective high. So this really means to make something higher or take something higher than it was before. Um, number 12, I said, the students can take whatever the teacher gives them and just run with it. So to run with something means to take an idea or a suggestion and just make progress with it independently. So in a classroom situation, this means giving the students a task which they then independently develop into something more. So you give them a task and they just run with it. Okay. Uh, number 13, I said creating an air of respect or positivity in the school helps. So the expression an air of, an air of, like an air of respect, an air of positivity. Air, of course, is the air that you breathe to create an air of respect. The expression an air of is used to describe an atmosphere in a place or maybe around a person. For example, he had an air of sophistication, which means that he seemed to be sophisticated. The school has an air of respect, which means that there is respect... There's a, I'm having a lot of trouble speaking my own language today. Come on, Luke, get it together. Right, so... Um, the school has an air of respect. This means that there is a respectful atmosphere in the school. Right, good. Um, number 14, I said, um, having them stand up and walk around can replicate real-life speaking tasks and allow body language to come into play. Right, so to come into play 
basically means to become an important factor in something or just to become involved in a situation, right? A bit like when a footballer runs onto the football pitch, he comes into play and adds a new element to the game. We can also say that other things come into play in other situations. Um, Like, for example, you know, if you decide to get your students to stand up uh, in a lesson, that can mean that body language comes into play. Body language kind of gets involved and has some impact on the lesson. Number 15. um, I said, on those rare occasions that everyone is into it, everyone can reap the benefits. So to reap the benefits means to take all of the good things from a situation, to capitalise on it. Reap, the word reap, is a word we use to describe the act of collecting crops from a field with a kind of blade called a scythe, right? You know, like a farmer, uh, a farmer will plant seeds early in the year and then the crops grow during the summer and at the end of the summer he reaps his crops with a with a scythe. Scythe is like an old tool, a wooden thing with a, a curved blade at the end, and you use it to reap crops. So the word reap also kind of collocates or goes with the word benefit. So if you reap the benefits, it means that you take all of the good things from something. For example, if you study hard now, you will reap the benefits later. Right, number 16, I said... It's okay to go off on a tangent as long as it's relevant and the whole class goes with you, okay? So to go off on a tangent means to take a completely different direction than you intended to, usually in a conversation. So you start talking about, for example, your plans for Christmas and then at some point you go in a completely different direction and you start talking about Tom Cruise's um, sexuality or something, right? Completely unrelated. A synonym of this is to get sidetracked. So if you go off on a tangent in class, it means that you end up talking about something different to what you started with. Sometimes tangents are the most fun parts of lessons, I think you'll agree. If you've ever been in a lesson that, you know, starts off kind of boring, you might end up talking about email writing, and then you go off on a tangent and you start talking about, I don't know, like what, what, how you would defend yourself if you were attacked by a bear okay i don't quite know how you would go from email writing to to being attacked by a bear maybe it could be through the expression bear with me which i've talked about before bear with me it's something you might write in an email it's like i'm afraid the report isn't ready but bear with me and i'll have it sent to you in the next couple of days and then you might say bear with me that's an interesting expression isn't it bear with me it's not it doesn't mean that a bear is with you no because that would be uh that would be horrible, wouldn't it? And in fact, if a bear was with you, how would you deal with that? Well, one one way would be to just lie on the ground and and act dead. Another way would be to run away, to, to run, run really fast. And I suppose as long as you can run faster than you know whoever's with you, then you'll be all right, won't you? Uh, another way would be to just climb a tree, but that's not a good a good idea because bears can climb trees. They're very good, very effective climbers. Yeah. Anyway, I've just gone off on a tangent, haven't I? I just went off on a tangent there, yes. Right, moving on. Back to the uh, list of uh, idioms that I used in the last two episodes. Um, You're listening to Luke's English Podcast, just to remind you. Um, So, um, number 17, um, I said TTT, or teacher talking time, is something that we should cut down on in the language learning classroom, right? So, to cut down on something means to reduce it, all right? For example, I'm trying to cut down on smoking, trying to smoke less, okay? Um, Number 18, I said, we've got two ears and one mouth for a reason. So this isn't really an idiom, but it's just an expression which we use to tell people to listen. It's like, you've got two ears and one mouth for a reason, please listen. It's a bit rude, it's a bit of a rude expression. Um, you might say, but it's kind of kind of a fun one. You've got two ears and one mouth for a reason. I don't recommend that you use that when you're talking to someone because it can be pretty rude, but it's still an expression which can be used to explain that people should listen more, you know. We have two ears, one mouth. Um, you should listen, all right? Yeah, good, fine. Uh, 
Number 18, that I've just done. Right, so number 19, um, I said, an expensive school with a powerful marketing drive can set the bar very high for its teachers. So to set the bar high means that you set standards very high. Okay, the bar, in this case, refers to the bar that you have to jump over in athletics, in, in the high jump, in an, in an athletics event. So if that bar is set very high, it means that you have to jump really, really well in order to avoid failure. So in teaching, if your marketing has promised an amazing course, then the bar has been set pretty high for the teacher. Similarly, if, if um, you take over someone else's class and the previous teacher was really, really good, a really brilliant teacher, then he has set the bar pretty high for you, okay? Uh, number 20, I said, it's also a good process to go through for your training. Uh, it's a good process to go through for training you into a good teacher because you're forced to raise your game. So to raise your game. This one should be pretty clear, okay? And it's also used in sports a lot. If you raise your game, it means that you just improve your performance, right to raise your game don't forget the difference between the word raise and the word rise because this is a common error raise means make something go up and rise means just to go up so if you raise your game it means you make your game go up you improve your game you can't rise your game it doesn't work your game maybe your your performance rises but you raise your performance all right. So rise means go up. Raise means make something go up. So the sun rises in the morning and God raises the sun, if you believe that kind of thing. Um, you know, you raise your hand and your hand rises, right? The government raises taxes and taxes rise, okay? The past of raise is raised, raise, raised, raised. And the past of rise is rose and then risen. So rise, rose, risen, raise, raised, raised. Okay, is that clear? Yes, good. Let's move on to number 21. And I said, in the end, perhaps I've decided to make a go of it. To make a go of it, make a go of it, means to try hard to make something a success. For example, they've had some problems in their marriage, but they've decided to make a go of it and not get divorced, okay, to make a go of it, to just try really hard to make something a success, all right? Number 22 was to think outside the box, to think outside the box. This just means to think in an unrestricted way with no limitations, to just think in a completely free way, okay? Um, often managers will ask their staff to think outside the box in order to come up with new and innovative ideas. Yes. Come on, team. I want you to think outside the box on this one, for example. Number 23. Uh, I said to put on a brave face. I said put on a brave face because somehow your mood has a massive influence on the mood of a lesson. So to put on a brave face means to act brave or act like everything is all right when in fact the situation is quite bad. It means to act confidently in a difficult situation. For example, if you're having a lot of family problems which are making you very upset at home, you have to put on a brave face when you go to work so that people don't see that you're upset and so that you can still do your job well to put on a brave face, all right? So, for example, if you've just, like, finished listening to the last episode of Luke's English Podcast and you don't have any other podcast episodes left and obviously you're devastated, you're, like, crying, oh, God, there's no more episodes of the podcast, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then you have to go to work, obviously you'll be like, right, okay, come on, come on, put on a brave face, we've got to go to work. It obviously would be very hard, but you can just put on a brave face and go, go and do your job. Right, try it try your best. Um, right, number 24, I said, if you go for big laughs and you make lots of effort, then you'll come across as a dick who's just desperate for attention. So to come across as something, 
come across as something means to give other people a certain impression of you. For example, if you don't dress smartly for your job interview, you might come across as unprofessional. Or if you talk too loudly during a negotiation, you might come across as aggressive. Mm -hmm. Number 25, I said, I felt like my reputation was hanging by a thread. So if something is hanging by a thread, it means that it's in a very threatened and tenuous situation and it might just die or break or fail at any moment. A thread is like a very thin piece of string or cotton. For example, if your button, a button on your shirt or a button on your jacket is hanging by a thread, it might just fall off at any moment, right? Um, have you ever had that situation where like you've got a button on your sleeve that's just hanging by a thread and you're like, oh my God, my button's hanging by a thread. It might fall off at any moment. Everyone stop. You know, um, I'm sure that happens to you all the time. It does. It happens to me every, um, every day. No, not every day. No, I don't think so. I, in fact, once I bought a jacket, I bought this jacket in Norway, right? Just, I suppose this is a kind of tangent that I'm going off on here. I bought a coat in Norway and I thought this is a nice coat and this is Norway so it's bound to be a good quality coat and I wore that coat a lot it was very warm because it was cold I wore the the coat a lot and um but then o- over the, like the next 4 weeks all of the buttons fell off just all of them and it, because it was like a very warm like Norwegian winter coat there were loads of buttons everywhere. Buttons on the hood, buttons on the sleeves, buttons on the collar, buttons everywhere. And they all fell off. So I was just like a walking button-dropping man. I was like, button-drop man. I, if I had been a superhero, I would have been button-drop man. It's like, um, oh, we've got bank robbers. Quick, um, call button-drop man. And I would arrive. Don't worry, Button drop man is here, and ah, oh, button drop man. How are you going to help us? I'm just going to drop some buttons off my jacket. That's it. Button drop man, you're rubbish. Can we have Batman, please? It's like well, Batman's unavailable. I'm afraid. What? Batman's unavailable? Yeah. Well, didn't you see the the end of the the last Batman movie? Yeah. Well, I'm not going to spoil it because um, you know, I, I suppose you don't want it to be spoiled. And anyway, n- the new Batman is Ben Affleck. Are you sure you want Batman to come? It's like, actually, on second thoughts, no. Let's not have Batman. Let's have, I don't know, even Spider-Man is better than that. I'd rather have Thor. Can you can you get Thor, please, to stop these bank robbers? Are you sure you want Thor? Because him and all of his friends, the Avengers, they're probably just going to smash the bank up, let's be honest. He's probably just going to put holes in the wall, and in the end, your bank will be a big pile of rubble and sure, you'd, he will stop the bank robbery, but he'll also just generally stop the bank as well. Um, right, moving back to the list. Number 26, I said, I thought it might be another string to my bow, so I agreed to take the training. A string to your bow means another skill that you have, right? Another string to your bow, another skill that you have. A bow is something that you use to fire an arrow, you know, you use it to fire an arrow like Robin Hood. It's a long curved piece of wood and the string is the thread or fibre which connects the ends of the bow and is used to fire the arrow forwards. Now, if you have lots of strings on your bow, it means that your bow is more powerful, right? Similarly, if you have more skills in your CV, it means that you're more powerful. Sometimes when I'm when I'm writing my CV, um, I prefer to think of I don't prefer to think of my CV as full of skills which um, can be improved but like just superhero abilities which I can discover that would be good anyway stop talking about superheroes and get just get back to the point Thompson let's see if we can make this episode like not last a hundred years shall we I'm only on number 27 I'm about halfway through okay so number 27 I said Um, the parents were over the moon. So if you're over the moon, it means that you're absolutely delighted or very pleased. For example, if you tell your parents, oh, I'm going to get married, they'll be like, oh my God, I'm so pleased. My parents were over the moon. Right. Um, Number 28, I said, I've been rudely awakened by some comment. 
So to be rudely awakened means to be shocked to discover the truth about something. We also say, I had a rude awakening. For example, assuming that your class is fine and everyone's happy, and then being shocked to discover that they're all unhappy. So I, I was rudely awakened. Number 29, I said, I went the extra mile. I bent over backwards and I delivered a very good course. So to go the extra mile means to make more effort than is necessary. Right? You make extra effort. You go the extra mile. So to do the maximum amount of effort or more. To bend over backwards basically means the same thing, and I think I've explained that one in previous episodes of the podcast. So they really went the extra mile to make us feel comfortable. They were really great hosts. Right. Number 30, I said, after the tough week I've just had, this will be a walk in the park. Well, a walk in the park is something that's very, very easy, just like a piece of cake. This exam is going to be a walk in the park. Or this is this exam's going to be a piece of cake. Um, right, number 31. I said, they all seemed to like her and to kind of let her get away with it. So to let someone get away with something means to let them do something bad without punishing them. For example, your dad won't let you get away with it if he catches you smoking again. Right, number 32 um, was... The presentations all fell flat, with the speakers just grinding to a halt after a few minutes. So to fall flat means to go down badly or to be received badly by people. For example, the presentations just fell flat. That means the audience were not impressed by the presentation and they didn't really respond. They, they didn't seem to be interested at all. And to grind to a halt means to just stop, right? And it kind of stopped. Like as if there's some machinery involved, like, like I can't do the impression of that to grind to a halt. If you imagine, I suppose it's a bit like that. Imagine a machine slowly stopping and making a kind of grinding sound. Um, so the past form of grind is ground. So the lesson just ground to a halt after an hour. It just sort of stopped just ground to a halt. Number 33. I said, you could cut the atmosphere with a knife. You could cut the atmosphere with a knife. And we use this expression to describe a very heavy atmosphere, usually when something really bad has happened in a room and there's a really thick and bad atmosphere with lots of tension. For example, there was a lot of tension between Diane and Carol. You could cut the atmosphere in that room with a knife. If you can imagine sort of when Angelina Jolie and um, what's her face? What's her name? Jennifer Aniston and Angelina Jolie met each other. It's like, oh, God, that was it was pretty tense. You could you could cut the atmosphere with a knife. Um, number 34. I said I decided I had to put my foot down. So to put your foot down means to put your authority strongly on a situation. For example, the boss put her foot down and refused to accept any more changes to the plan. So it's to kind of stamp your authority on a situation, to put your foot down. Um, number 35, I said, I slept through my alarm clock. This means that you just overslept and your alarm clock didn't wake you up, which is one of the most common reasons or excuses for students being late in class. Oh, I, I overslept. I slept through my alarm clock. Um, all right, okay. Uh, number 36, I said, I had a go at them for being late. So to have a go at someone means to tell someone off or to say something angrily at someone. It's like, why are you late again? You know, I've, I've told you three times this week, don't be late, please. Please try to come in class on time, okay? If it happens again, I'm going to speak to the manager. And the, per the student's like, I'm sorry. Or, or the student just goes, yeah, so what? Yeah. Am I bothered? Yeah. Um, yes. So to have a go at someone means to kind of tell someone off, to say something angrily at someone, to reprimand someone. Uh, number 37, I said, I wanted to put my foot down and I ended up just putting my foot in my mouth. So to put your foot in your mouth 
means to say something that you regret, basically. Right, number 38. I finished the day completely shattered with a mind-numbing headache and a massive heavy load on my shoulders. Well, a mind-numbing headache is a really bad headache that stops you thinking properly, basically. It's like, oh, I've got a mind-numbing headache. If your mind is numb, well, numb means that there's no sensation in something. You know, sometimes you fall asleep on your arm and you wake up in the morning, you wake up in the middle of the night and you, you've got no feeling in your arm. Your arm is completely numb. Yeah, well, numb, N-U-M-B, the B is silent, numb, means that you've got no feeling or no sensation in something. So if you have a mind-numbing headache, it means that you, the, the, the headache just kind of makes your mind go numb. You've got no thoughts. You can't think properly. Um, number 39. I said, the difficult girl I described earlier decided to lock horns with me over everything. So to lock horns with someone means to get into a conflict with someone, like an argument or a disagreement over something. Okay, to lock horns. It's like when some animals fight with each other, they lock horns. If you can, if you can imagine two bulls fighting, the horns are the sharp things on their heads. And if they lock horns, they kind of put their horns together and kind of move around fighting, okay, to lock horns with someone. Well, people can lock horns with each other too. So when you have like a fight or disagreement with someone, you lock horns with them. Okay, number 40, I said, she completely ran over me with her forceful character. And what I mean here is that she just walked all over me, okay, she ran over me. Like in a car, if if someone runs over you in a car, hopefully it will never happen. It means they hit you and they drive over you in a car, okay, to run over someone. Well, this girl just ran over me, not literally, not in her car, but she just sort of walked all over me with her personality, let's say. What a, what a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not scared to say that because it's true. Um, I wonder if she's listening. I very, very much doubt that she is. She's probably just being horrible somewhere. Right, moving on. Number 41. I said, I didn't really know how to do this, so I generally didn't give her any rope. I mean, I wasn't patient with her. So what I mean by give her any rope basically is that I didn't give her any opportunities. Okay, I just didn't give her any slack. I didn't give her any rope. Didn't give her any opportunities to, like, you know, be rude, for example. Um, number 42. I said, I'm still scratching my head, trying to work out what was going on. If you're scratching your head, like this, it means you're trying hard to understand something, right? It's kind of universal body language, I think. If you're sort of, uh, 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 scratching your head, it means you're trying to understand something. So I'm still scratching my head over this note that that girl left, left me. So after she'd been horrible for, for two weeks, she left me a note saying, oh, thanks for being such a great teacher. It's really lovely to meet you. Mm. What? You know, what? what? Uh? Why write that note now? Why not just be nice at the beginning? Very strange. Um, okay, number 43. I said the first week was a write-off. A write-off. Write like when you write with a pen. Write notes. A write-off. So a write-off, a write-off, is something that's so badly damaged that you can't save it. And this basically comes from cars, probably. If you have a car crash and your car is badly damaged and it would cost more money to repair the car than it would be to just buy another one, then the car is written off. Right, so if you have a car crash, uh, the car is badly damaged and... You take the car to a garage and they go, no, to be honest, it's the, it's going to cost too much money to, to fix the car. You should just buy a new one. So this car is a write-off. It's written off. Okay, And I think it's written off by the insurance company. They kind of say, oh, never mind, just don't, don't repair it. You can buy another one. It was written off. It was a write-off. All right? Yeah? Okay, shall we move on to number 44? Yes? Okay, then. Good idea. Number 44, I said, I just became their scapegoat. Scapegoat. Now, a scapegoat is someone that you blame for all the problems. So it's just like you pick one person and you just, 
make them responsible for all the problems. You just put the blame on them. You make them the scapegoat. And as an example, I'll just tell you briefly about the 2007 phone hacking scandal. So um, back in 2007 in England, there was a big scandal because a lot of newspapers, a lot of journalists in newspapers were hacking people's mobile phones. So they were um, illegally um, getting into people's voicemails in order to listen to their voicemails so that they could then write stories about them. Most of the people they were hacking were celebrities, people like Sienna Miller, for example. If you remember, Sienna Miller used to be in a relationship with Jude Law until they broke up. And, of course, all of the horrible newspapers, like the tabloid newspapers, decided that they would try and dig up some dirt on this story. And they did it by illegally hacking into Sienna Miller's uh, mobile phone to find out private messages which they could then write up in their newspapers. Really, really unethical and also illegal. Um, but it got worse because, in the end, the, some of the newspapers started hacking into the, the, the telephone of a missing girl who ended up being murdered. She, she was a, a girl who was missing, and in the end they discovered that she was dead and that she'd been murdered, right? But the, the newspapers had actually hacked into her telephone, so not only were they not helping the police in the investigation, they were also doing something extremely uh, unethical. Uh, illegally hacking into the telephone of a, of a missing girl without asking the parents' permission or anything in order to find out information that they could just print in the, in the newspapers. So it was a big scandal. And um, Piers Morgan, who is a journalist and who was the um, head of the Daily Mirror, I think... He said that the phone hacking, he said phone hacking was a common practice. He said loads of newspaper journalists were doing it. And then um, Clive Goodman, who was a, a, a News of the World journalist who got uh, prosecuted for it, he said, Clive, G Clive Goodman, the News of the World reporter, has been made the scapegoat for a, for a widespread practice. So Cl Clive Goodman seemed to be the one who got all of the blame when in fact lots and lots of people were doing it. Um, yeah, that was a really interesting, exciting story. I th I'm sure you'll all agree. I'm sure that almost all of you were listening to that, thinking, Luke, this is fascinating. Tell me more about the phone hacking scandal. I think it's amazing. Um, you may detect a note of sarcasm in my voice there. I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes I don't know what you're thinking. Maybe you're kind of like, now... I've listened to every episode of Luke's English Podcast and it's pretty good. But wait a second. This is unprecedented. This is amazingly interesting. This bit about the phone hacking scandal and Sienna Miller's mobile. Wow. Or maybe you're not. Maybe you're thinking, yeah, phone hacking scandal, fine. Can you talk about superheroes or, 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 or zombies or something? I don't know. I don't, sometimes I don't know. You can't please all the people all the time. Um, it's true, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's true. Right, number 45. I said, um, sometimes it hits the students for six because they're not expecting it. I was talking about culture shock. Sometimes culture shock hits the students for six because they're not expecting it. So if you hit someone for six or if you get hit for six, it means that something really shocks you and surprises you and then makes you feel really bad and really confused and weak right? And it comes from cricket, which is a sport, okay? A British sport. Probably the best sport in the world, okay? Um, I'm kind of joking because obviously it's not as good as football. It's what everyone thinks. But no, cricket is a great sport. It's brilliant. It's a bit confusing. But anyway, so this expression to get hit for six comes from cricket. So this means that when you... Um, this might be complicated because the rules of cricket are a bit complex. It's a, imagine that it's a bit like baseball, okay? When you throw a ball at the batsman, that's the guy with the bat, if you throw the ball at the batsman and he hits the ball really hard and the ball goes all the way off the field, then that batsman gets a six. He gets six points. So he just hit you for six. So the bowler, the guy who threw the ball, is going to feel kind of bad about that. Right, So if you get hit for six, then you're going to feel really bad and really sort of like, oh, God, it's going to knock your confidence. For example, right, you're going to understand it now when I give you this example. 
This example is going to fix everything, okay? For example, the death of his wife really hit him for six. He's never been the same after that, right? Okay. Um, don't forget, you can read all this stuff on the website, and I recommend that you do that. It might help. We're nearly at the end of this. Um, we're, in fact, at number 46, and that was, um, I said, this meant that I, I had a false sense of security. So if you have a false sense of security, it means that you think you're safe when actually you're not. For example, wearing helmets gives cyclists a false sense of security and encourages them to take risks. All right? So you might think if you're a cyclist and you've got a helmet, you think, I'm, I'm wearing a helmet, I'm Iron Man. I'm basically indestructible right now. So I can ride as fast as I like. I don't need to stop for red lights. I'm indestructible. Well, no, you're not. You've just got a false sense of security because you're wearing a, a, a cheap plastic helmet. You're still you know, in in a bit of danger on a bike. Um, number 47, I said, it's funny to me how I could go from one week of being the greatest teacher in the world to hitting rock bottom in just a matter of days. So if you hit rock bottom, it means that you reach the lowest point possible. Okay, so going back to this tragic story of the guy who, let's say, for example, your dog died and you're devastated. It really hit you for six so my dog died, it just hit me for six and, you know, I, I had to take time off. Well, first of all, I had to kind of try and put on a brave face at work and I couldn't. Uh, and in the end, I just started to, you know, call in sick uh, and I'd stay at home just drinking whiskey and, um, oh, it was terrible. And after a couple of weeks, I just missed the dog so much. I was just drunk all the time on really bad, cheap whiskey. I just hit rock bottom and I... Um, I don't know, I just hit rock bottom and I, uh, what's the worst that can happen to you? Uh, I hit rock bottom and I started eating McDonald's for every meal of the day. It was terrible, for example. Okay, to hit rock bottom. Um, right, number 48, I said, in my defence, I must say that I have an otherwise very good track record in my classes. So your track record is your history of success or your record of performance, your track record. It comes from athletics. So, for example, Usain Bolt has a great track record because if you look at the record of all his times in his races, you can see that he's won a lot of races, okay? So the track is what an athlete runs on. It's red and has lines on it, right, as you probably know. Um, so you might say, I have a good track record in my classes. And this means that most of my classes in the past have been very good, right? Number 49, I said, so this course must have been a one-off. So a one-off is something that only happens once, just like a unique thing that happens once. It was a one-off, all right? So this course must have been a one-off. It's like a noun phrase, a one-off. Um, number 50, this is the penultimate point here. Number 50, I said, keep your chin up. Keep your chin up. This means don't get disappointed. Stay motivated. It's a bit like saying, keep your head up. Keep your chin up. Yeah. Uh, and finally, number 51, I said, you shouldn't tell jokes, but I do. And I pay the price for it. So if you pay the price for something, it means that you suffer the negative consequences of doing something bad. Okay, so for example, I pay the price for telling jokes in my classes because often just nobody laughs and I feel like an idiot. Then again, I think that if I didn't tell jokes, my classes would be more boring. So, you know, I know what I'm doing. Even if my jokes are quite bad sometimes, it's not going to stop me trying. So that brings us to the end of um, that list of idioms and expressions and things that you may have heard in the previous two episodes of the podcast. I hope you found that um, useful. Maybe you can try and add some of those expressions to your active vocabulary. Um, you should get try and get to the point where not only do you know these expressions and you're familiar with what they mean, but you should try and use them. I would say pay attention to all of the little words, like the little prepositions or maybe verb forms that come after these things 
check out all of those phrases um, as they're written down on the website that I've, as I said before, because you need to know, for example, does it have an in or an of or a with or a to at the end? You know, uh, how does how do you form it? Which part of the phrase is the verb? Which part is, you know, followed by a, an ing or, a, or an infinitive form? Try to look at these phrases from every angle, not just the meaning, but also the pronunciation, the grammatical form, the past form of those things, how they fit into sentences. Do they have a kind of a negative meaning or uh, a positive one? Are they sort of ironic or humorous at all? Um, you should be thinking about all of those things. And when you really get to grips with these phrases, you can like, you know, take them on, pick them up and uh, start using them. Okay, so I think that's pretty much it for this episode. Thank you again for listening. Uh, stay tuned for more episodes in the future. I've got all kinds of ideas. You know, I've said this before, but I often sort of repeat myself, don't I, at the end and the beginning and probably in the middle of episodes. I always say things like, don't worry, I've got lots of ideas in the back of my head. And then probably I start listing ideas for podcasts, um, which I then never do. So um, why don't I do that now? Yeah, okay. So I've got some ideas in the back of my head. For example, I want to do an episode all about jokes. I've been talking about this for a long time. Now, you might think, oh God, not an episode about jokes, because I don't understand any of your jokes. And sometimes I do understand them. I don't find them funny. Well, I'm going to kind of go on some kind of adventure into the danger zone. And I'm going to do a podcast all about jokes, where I, first of all, tell you lots and lots of jokes, like well-known jokes that my friends sometimes tell me or jokes that I can remember, jokes that people have voted as the best jokes of the Edinburgh Festival, for example. So I'll go through a bunch of jokes and then afterwards I'll pick them apart and explain what they mean. I know they always say that you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't take a joke uh, apart and explain it because that kills the humour. But, you know, this is Luke's English Podcast. This is a language learning zone. And not only do we want to have fun, and sort of laugh maybe or just to get amused by some jokes we also want to learn some of the language and jokes are very interesting because they are well sometimes the last things that you understand when you're learning a language I think um, it's difficult to understand the humor but jokes are really interesting because they often rely on double meanings of words and so from a language learning point of view jokes can actually be very interesting so if you think about that when you come across jokes um, of course you're supposed to find it funny but also there's some kind of mystery um, which you need to solve in a joke like where's the double meaning we'll also look at what makes a good joke and how do you really tell a joke what are the, some of the techniques that you can use to make a joke funny and when is it appropriate in fact to tell jokes how do we use jokes in our social interactions all of those things I will hope to deal with in an episode about jokes, which um, should be uploaded soon when I manage to do it. Um, in a perfect world, I would um, select lots of jokes. And, and what I want to do is actually record part of the episode with an audience so that you can hear their reaction to some of the jokes. Um, so if I can organise that, if I can get some people together to to share jokes with then that might make the podcast a more interesting experience. Who knows, maybe I'll never be able to do that. I might just record the jokes on my own. Um, and you can just provide your own, well, either your own laughter or your own sort of groans of disappointment. Oh, God. Or just your own sort of confused silence. It's up to you. Um, you can choose how to respond uh, in your own way. It's completely up to you. Um, right, so... fifth. Seven and a half minutes. I think it's time to wrap this up. Thanks again for listening. Um, and that's it. Okay. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks again for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, you can visit teacherluke.wordpress.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humor and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.